Hello and welcome to another episode of the Pick Aside Podcast. My name is Joel Moran and I'm here with Jack Bartek and this is now episode 66. In this episode, we will recap the Super Bowl, debate whether the Buccaneers should be favorites to win it all next season and how much blame Patrick Mahomes deserves for the Chiefs' bad performance on offense. Then we will talk about QBs that teams could still trade for and preview the offseason for each AFC West team. That includes the Kansas City Chiefs, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Denver Broncos. And in my intro, I said Jack and not Riv because Riv is not here today. If you're watching the YouTube video, you can see that. And if you're listening, you can't. So I just want to let you guys know. And I do have my Tampa Bay Buccaneers NFC Champions hat on right now. As you guys all know, the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl all season long. I've been saying they were going to win it all. I even made a video on Instagram before the game started. And I was right. I feel great. I feel great today. I, I really do feel great. Listen, I give you credit because you really have been saying this since like the summer, really. And then especially when they signed Tom Brady and you have not wavered in that idea at all throughout the year. Even when they lost big to the Saints early on, you know, no matter what it was, you stood true to that belief and it paid off. In football, it was the Buccaneers. In basketball, it will be the Brooklyn Nets. See, we're I saying hope it you're right. right. Now. I hope you're right. If this was a regular setup, you guys could see uh, my James Harden beard behind us right here. But I bought a James Harden beard for the next basketball episode. If we do talk about the Nets, I will wear the beard. But for every podcast episode that is a basketball episode, I will be wearing Nets gear. I just bought a Kyrie Irving jersey. And I'm very surprised with the material. It is very fat friendly for all my chubby friends out there. You guys should get a jersey. I'm telling you, jersey, especially for people that are on the chubby side, jerseys are really hard to shop for. They really, it's a tight, it's a really tight fit. But these new jerseys that NBA is coming out with, they're really good. I gotta say, I felt I felt like my stomach could breathe. It was breathable material, and I like it. So now I'm gonna go on a on a splurge on just ordering jerseys, <laughs> Nets jerseys. Uh, I bought a Harden one. I don't know when that's gonna come yet. I still have to buy KD. And you gotta get a Joe Harris jersey. Oh hell no! I will not get a Joe Harris jersey. I I will I will before I get a Joe Harris jersey, I'll get three James Harden jerseys, just different colors. I'll, before I get a Joe Harris jersey, I'm just gonna get jerseys from the big three. That's it. James Harden, Kyrie, and uh, Durant. Joe Harris has slept on, man. No, he, he is he is slept on, but I am not going to spend a hundred dollars on his name. That's fair. I'm it's not fair. gonna do that. I, I don't I could I could I could just I could bet that there are less than a thousand people that have a Joe Harris jersey. I would say that's probably a fair number. Like an authentic NBA store jersey. Like a hundred dollar one. Yeah, I would say that's probably a fair number. But I mean, I would wear one. I just probably wouldn't spend hundred dollars. If it was gifted to you, you'd wear one. Yeah, hundred percent. But first topic of the show, we are going to recap the Super Bowl. And before we get into the topic, uh, Jack, your levels sound kind of low, so just hit the hit the number three on the Roadcaster Pro. Go to uh, you see where you go to voice. What does what is it on right now? Strength or tone. 
Strength. Strong. Put soft. Don't go back. Then the other one. And then it says deep, go to go to high. Okay. Cause those settings are fitted to riv. <laughs> so because your voice is softer, the mic is not gonna enhance your voice. It's gonna not enhance it because yeah. they feel like your voice is deep. So yeah, just had to fix that real quick. But now, first topic of the day. We're going to recap the Super Bowl. The Chiefs won. I mean, the Buccaneers won 31 to 9. What stood out to you in this game? And, uh, you know, I'm very happy this happened. In the intro, got my Tampa Bay Buccaneers hat on right now, NFC champions. I just bought some Super Bowl gear, and my Tom Brady jersey is going to come in this week as well. But, Jack, what stood out to you in this game the most? Just how much of an impact the offensive line makes on an offense because you look at that Chiefs team, one of the most prolific offenses, not only in the league, but in recent memory. You have Patrick Mahomes, who a lot of people are considering to be one of the most talented quarterbacks they've ever seen. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, you keep going on naming the weapons, and that Buccaneers defense dominated them. Like, Patrick Mahomes couldn't get anything going, and... While a lot of that had to do with an elite Buccaneers defense, it was painfully obvious how much a wounded offensive line hurt the Chiefs. And I just think it's interesting because you look at guys like, we'll talk about later on, Lamar Jackson, who had offensive line struggles this year. Sam Darnold is another guy who a lot of people make the argument, you know, he hasn't had an offensive line. And it just is another prong in that argument about how much of an offensive line is valued. Especially, it's not really a position that, the, the casual fan would think about having a big impact. You know, you think it, it's a battle of the quarterbacks, but realistically, if you don't have the infrastructure around your quarterback, you can't succeed. And the Buccaneers just had a better surrounding cast for Tom Brady on, sun, on Sunday. Tom Brady, even with that being said, played incredible. And he deserved the Super Bowl MVP, in my opinion. He, he You know, he did what he had to do, and he solidified himself as the GOAT. What stood out to me is not how Mahomes or Tom Brady played. What stood out to me is is these two key stats. One, quarterback hits, and two, the penalties. The Buccaneers had eight quarterback hits. The Chiefs had two quarterback hits. The Chiefs had 11 penalties for 120 yards, and they were a top-five penalized team coming into the game. So you can say the refs made some questionable calls, but it's not like the Buccaneers have been a disciplined team they have been all over the place all year long. And the Bucks only had four penalties for 39 yards. This is the reason why the Chiefs lost. The reason is that the Chiefs have been a sloppy team all year. A lot of their games have been close. They were not as dominant this past year as they were in previous seasons. And they just so happened to run into a team in the Buccaneers who capitalized on their mistakes on their sloppiness because no other team was really able to do it. You look at, they almost blew the game against the Browns because they were sloppy there. So it's not like it just happened against the Buccaneers. I will say that some of the calls I would have liked the referees to just let go of because I don't think that they should have made some of the pass interference calls. I think it, it, it ruined the momentum of the game, and especially in the Super Bowl. Let the players play. That's my opinion. But these are some next-gen stats. Mahomes ran a total of 497 yards on his passes slash sacks, and that's the most pre-throw slash pre-sacks yards 
run by any QB this season. He had the most dropbacks under pressure by a quarterback in Super Bowl history. He had 29 pressures. Jim Kelly had 29. Brady won, Brady had 23. And surprisingly, when Brady had 23, they won that Super Bowl. So he won even with being being pressured a lot. And then KC, this is this is the reason why KC couldn't get anything going on offense. Kansas City used five-man protection on 92% of their dropbacks, 48 out of the 52 plays called. And that's with having two backup offensive tackles. Mitchell Schwartz wasn't there, and Eric Fisher was not there either. So the Chiefs, 92% of their plays, they only protected with five guys leaving their tackles on islands against guys like Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul. Like, that's just not a recipe for success. And I think overall it was a bad game plan by the Chiefs. I also do want to mention this. It was a bad game plan by the Chiefs, but we have to be knowledgeable about the fact that, you know, before this game there was a lot of trauma and turmoil going on within Andy Reid and his family. Like, his son got into a car crash. A young child is, um, she's in a hospital fighting for her life. I think it's a she. I'm not sure. I know it's a child. She She's in a hospital fighting for her life. So there was a lot of turmoil going on around the team and Andy Reid's head. He probably wasn't even present during the game. We also have to keep that in mind. I know that a lot of times that we want to act like it's just a game and this is like their job, which it is their job, but they're human too. And I doubt that Andy Reid was all the way there in that game Sunday. Yeah, and just, well, that was a great point, first of all, in the preparation. I thought what else was interesting was it's not like the Bucks were sending these crazy blitzes. 27 out of the 29 pressures that Mahomes faced were only generated by a four-man rush, and Mahomes only faced a blitz on six of his 56 dropbacks. So the Buccaneers were not sending these crazy blitzes, but they were just so dominant up front that that four-man front was able to generate all that pressure. So it just goes to show, one, how good that Bucks defensive front was, and two, how much those injuries really did kill the Chiefs' offensive line. Talking about this uh, Super Bowl, I want to say this. I think that Tom Brady won the Super Bowl MVP, and I think he should have. It, it, it should have been him or Shaq Barrett, Yeah, one of those two. I know people like to hate on Brady a lot. It's kind of routine at this point. But if the MVP award could have been given to a coach, it should have been Todd Bowles. I think Todd Bowles' preparation for that offense was phenomenal. And believe it or not, all season long, the Chiefs have struggled against two-man zones, like cover two. They have struggled against cover two all season long. When the Buccaneers ran it after the first quarter when they played them in the regular season, the Chiefs couldn't really do anything. The Buffalo Bills shot to run it last week, and the Chiefs torched them. But then this game, the Buccaneers ran the same thing, a variation of cover two, cover two, and it really halted their offense. It really did. And I think they saw something in the tape, Todd Bowles, and he prepared his defense. And this defensive unit was great last year. That's that's why I was so confident going into this season that the Buccaneers were going to make the playoffs. I thought they would have made the playoffs with Jameis Winston because I thought this team was that good. But now that they got, when they got Tom Brady, that's why they became my Super Bowl pick pretty easily, to be honest. 
Yeah, and I just think it was the personnel for the Buccaneers, like being able to just rush four guys and create the pressure that they did while also dropping seven back in coverage. It's very difficult to make plays against the defense like that. And even when they did, and we'll talk about Patrick Mahomes a little bit later, he made some unbelievable plays that didn't result in anything. There were a couple of bad drops by the Chiefs. And honestly, the Chiefs didn't look like they showed up to play. And it all started with a, a first drive that kind of died. Tyree Kill possibly could have had a touchdown catch. Instead, he drops it. And from there, the momentum was just all bucks the rest of the way. And at no point did the Chiefs seem like they ever had control over the game. Yeah, it seemed lost from the start. And this is just a fun fact slash stat. Brady has now won three different, has now won a Super Bowl in three different decades. In 2000, he won three. In 2010, he won three. And now in 2020, he has now won one. And segueing into our next segment, Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his seventh now in his career. And Tampa Bay is possibly going to have the same team going into the 2021 season. Am I crazy to say that they, they might repeat? Because right now, their free agents are Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Gronkowski, Ndamukong Sue, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown, Jaden Mickens, their, their punt returner, and Aaron Stinney, their starting guard who, was, who played tremendous, and Steve McClendon. They're, that's a lot of players, but they have $43 million in cap space. Mike Evans has came out and said that he's willing to take a pay cut. Chris Godwin said that he wants to be back in Tampa. Everybody pretty much wants to be back in Tampa, and I think they can sign all of their guys back and the reason they can do it is because they have so many players on rookie deals that are phenomenal. Tristan Wirfs, Antoine Winfield, Devin White, Sean Murphy Bunton, Jamel Dean, um, Rojo Ronald Jones, OJ Howard, who's going to come back from injury this upcoming season. We'll see if they keep or cut him. Carlton Davis, Vita Vea, Alex Kappa, Scotty Miller, and Tyler Johnson. These are all guys that are on rookie deals, and that's the reason they're able to that's the reason they have so much cap space to sign their other guys back. But do you think they're going to repeat? I would say I'd, I'd like to revisit this after free agency, which is probably not the answer you're hoping to hear. But if they can bring back everybody that you just rattled off, I think they, if they're not the favorite, they're top two or three at least, at, like at the worst. But it's just about retaining all of the talent. Mike Evans following through on taking that pay cut. All these guys willing to take contracts that fit under the salary cap. If they can do that, I definitely agree that if not the favorite, they're a top two team in football going into next season. But it's just about seeing if they can get that done. Because I don't think they need to add much. They showed last night and really throughout the entire second half of the season, there's not many holes on this roster. And so if you can bring back those guys in free agency, or at least a majority of them, 75% of them, you know, the most important ones, like Shaq Barrett, I think, is probably the most important name on that list. Mm -hmm. If you could bring back the top guys from that list that you named and then supplement them with some draft picks, I, I would feel very confident about them going into next year. Yeah, in my opinion, I think Shaq Barrett is coming back. Levante David is coming back. 
Rob Gronkowski is not going to play with any other quarterback besides Brady. So he will be back too. The Dominic Sue is up in the air. I'm not sure about him. I think Chris Godwin will be back. Leonard Fournette probably. And Aaron Stinney. Uh, Antonio Brown, I'm not too sure if he will be back. Jaden Mickens, I don't know. And Steve McClendon, I don't know. Because they only traded for Steve McClendon because Vita Vea was injured. So I'm not sure. But this past regular season, they went 11-5. and They finished 15-5 and overall. After the KC loss, they went undefeated. And this is all in Tom Brady's first year being in a Bruce Arians offense in which every quarterback that has ever played in this offense had 40 turnover plays in the first season. Andrew Luck, uh, Big Ben, Carson Palmer, Jameis Winston, who threw 30 interceptions with the Bucs the year prior. And in Brady's first year in this system, he threw 40 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And 12 interceptions was even a little bit high because he had a little bit of a stretch where against the Saints especially, where he had had the most interceptions against that team that he did all year. But in the second season, in this Bruce Arians offense, the team coming back, the coaching staff coming back because Todd Bowles is staying, so is Byron Leftwich. And Tom Brady, in his second year in this offensive system, I think they have a really big chance in repeating. And I hope they do because, see, I, I wish that if, if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan watching this video or listening right now, I wish that our Tampa Bay videos did better than what they did because, in my opinion, they were high, highly entertaining. But also, you guys would have known that I've been waiting on my Tom Brady jersey to come all <laughs> all week long. A snowstorm ruined the delivery process, and because of that, I was not able to get my jersey. All that came in was this hat. My Tom Brady jersey will come in later this week. But now, if they go to the Super Bowl again, I'm going to be prepared. I'm going to have all my gear in place for another run at this thing. So I hope they do repeat. I think the only viable teams that can you know challenge them are the Rams with Matthew Stafford now. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. The Chiefs, I think, will be there in the AFC. Yeah. The Bills, the Saints are going down. The Packers look like they're trending downwards. Seattle Seahawks are kind of stuck in no man's land right now. You know, I only see really the Chiefs and the Rams that can be viable teams to really knock out the Buccaneers. Yeah, I so agree. Far. I agree, and I think the the free agency period and less so the draft will answer a lot of these questions because the Chiefs – Although I don't think they have much to address, the few holes that they do have coming up this offseason are big holes. And if they can fill those holes even better than they were this year, especially the offensive line, you know, I think we're we're having a whole different conversation next year. But and also again, like I said with the Bucks, look at what they did in the second half of the season. And a lot of that was them getting on the same page, especially Tom Brady with the receivers. And so if you could bring back the same group. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, you know, that core receiving unit and have them all on the same page. Have a year under your belt. Get hopefully a real training camp, OTAs, preseason, bringing back the same coaching staff. That's a that's a really scary thought. But the only thing that could, I guess, harm that at all would be bringing somebody else in and having to form that same connection with them. Like you saw the growing pains in the first few weeks up until the bye week. But once they came out of the bye week, they lit the world on fire. So it's just, you know, you need that time in a Bruce Arian system to get on the same page.
But with Tom Brady in that system and the weapons they have, once everybody got on the same page, you saw how dangerous it can be, and it resulted in a Super Bowl. So it's all about, to me, what they do this offseason, who they can bring back, and if they don't bring guys back, they need to bring in replacements who are able to catch up quick. So right now, the Buccaneers have $38.6 million in cap space going into the offseason. The notable free agents that I named earlier, Shaq Barrett, Levante David, Gronk, Sue, Godwin, Fournette, A.B., Jaden Mickens, Aaron Stinney, and McClendon, based on their market value, it would cost the Buccaneers $43 million to sign all of those guys back. And that's talking about all of those guys back. The Buccaneers can cut Donovan Smith and save $14 million. (laughs) And... Donovan Smith, he's a good tackle, not knocking him. But if we're ranking how good each player is on that Buccaneers offensive line, Donovan Smith would either be the worst or the second worst. That's $14 million that they can can save and not only sign all, all of their players back, but potentially sign another tackle in free agency. Alejandro Villanueva is going to be out there. Russell Okun. Trent Williams, if Trent Williams wants to take oh, a pay cut, God. there are options. I'm just saying I would expect the Buccaneers to cut Donovan Smith and go after one of these better left tackles in free agency. I wouldn't rule out Trent Williams. And if they get Trent Williams, that is going to be huge. Yeah, it, they're a scary team. And the only, like one of the only questions that I would have is, will father time ever catch up to Tom Brady you know it's mm-hmm. the same question we've been asking about him we've been asking about LeBron James for years eventually you'd have to imagine it's going to start to catch up and it's just a matter of when I don't think it's next year I think in in the few years after that his play will start to decline a little bit but that that's going to be a scary roster and even if he does slow down a little bit next year from a 40 touchdown 12 interception season with the team around him and that defense having another year together with all those young studs that you mentioned, I mean, Devin White looks like he's going to be one of the best defensive players in football the next few years. Yep. That's a scary, a scary roster. I think we can both agree that they are probably favorites to repeat if they re-sign their players. And the loser in this situation was the Kansas City Chiefs. They lost in the Super Bowl 31-9. to And... On Twitter and social media, a lot of people are blaming Patrick Mahomes for this loss. They're saying that he choked. And the question for this segment is, does he deserve the same hate that quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, and all of these guys got? And before you go, Jack, I'll just say, no, he does not. I am a Patrick Mahomes fanatic. I love Patrick Mahomes. And... People are bashing Patrick Mahomes because the media bashed their quarterback and they want to take it out on another quarterback. And that just so happens to be Patrick Mahomes who let, I, let's just be honest. He wasn't amazing. The Super Bowl. I, I can't really say he was good. You know, I could say he was okay. He was okay. And there are a lot of reasons as to why he was just okay. Right. We get all that, but in the playoffs, He's 6-0 against every team that has not been a Tom Brady-led team. He's 6-0. He literally 
had to run for his life on Sunday. 497 yards ran before his passes slash sacks, and that's the most by any quarterback this season, according to next-gen stats. The most dropbacks under, under pressure by any quarterback in Super Bowl history. And like I said earlier, Kansas City used five-man protection and left their tackles on island 92% of their dropbacks. So there was a lot of reason for why this didn't go Patrick Mahomes' way. And to just say he choked because you saw the stats is kind of ridiculous to me. And to answer the question, I don't think he deserves the hate that Lamar or Aaron Rodgers or whoever else got. But also, Patrick Mahomes has won already. He doesn't have anything else to prove. The only thing he has to prove is winning again. Like He doesn't have anything to prove. Lamar Jackson has to prove something, that he can win more than one playoff game. He lost as a favorite. There are reasons why people bash them, right? And even those guys, I don't think it's fair to bash them for their performance like all around. I really don't think it's fair. But that is sports culture, and since Patrick Mahomes lost, he's the one that gets the short end of the stick this time. Yeah, exactly. And what it is on Twitter and wherever else you may hear about Patrick Mahomes being the reason the Chiefs lost, it's either casual fans or people just looking to make a hot take. Because if you watch the game, I understand his stats weren't great and he didn't play up to the level you would expect Patrick Mahomes to. But if you watch some of the things he did in that game, he was he showed he was the most talented quarterback in the league. I don't think there's any question about it. I don't think there maybe one or two other quarterbacks in the league that could have done half of the things he did last night. And when you put together an offensive line that's missing three starters, uh, an elite Bucks defensive unit, no offensive adjustments, and a handful at least drops by your receivers and, and Travis Kelsey, and I'm talking like impactful drops, like could have been a first down on a big third down, could have two could have been touchdowns that were dropped. So, like, there were a couple of big-time passes that were put right on the money and dropped. He was making plays that are impossible. There was the one on the sideline where he was getting thrown down and thrown and, and threw a dot to the back corner of the end zone just out of the reach of his receiver. And the other one, I think it was like a play later or two plays later where he was rolling right, getting tackled, and threw a perfect ball to, I think it was Damian Williams, and went right through his hands, and, and he hit him in the face mask, and he dropped it. He was doing incredible stuff, and even though the stats didn't show it, and it didn't go the Chiefs' way, that loss yesterday had little to do with Patrick Mahomes. He's so low down on the list of reasons the Chiefs lost, and people won't understand that because they just equate winning and losing to a quarterback's performance, but there's so much else that goes into it, and nothing about yesterday changed my opinion that Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, the most talented quarterback in the league. If there's a fantasy draft tomorrow, I'm taking him number one and not having any second thoughts about it. And if you don't, you're crazy. I agree. Um, You talked about the two touchdown passes dropped. The one early in the game, early in the game to Tyreek Hill. The first first drive. Yes, could have been a momentum changer, but that was dropped Outside of Mahomes, though, this game overall, I think the penalties called on the Chiefs, while some were there, I think a lot of them were ticky-tack. You could have let them get away with it. It wasn't that serious, but they got penalized, and they it was like 100 yards worth of penalties overall for the total game. No team can really overcome that. 
And the Chiefs have been sloppy all season long, but this time it came back to haunt them. But like you said, this is not on Patrick Mahomes. And for people trying to find a way just to bash him, I think it's pretty ridiculous because he's beaten every single every single team basically in the league. He's got he's beaten every team in the playoffs outside of Tom Brady led teams. So I think it's pre it's premature to do it now. Right now, the standard of Patrick Mahomes is Tom Brady level greatness. And while I do think that Mahomes can get there in terms of just on the talent level, I think he's there already, no doubt about yeah. it. But now people are holding him to a standard of you have to win six or seven Super Bowls now. And we, we have to be honest about the sport of football. To do what the Patriots did, because it wasn't just Tom Brady, to do what the Patriots did is damn near impossible and might not happen Ever again, Tom Brady took pay cuts in New England so that team could be assembled good. And even when he took pay cuts, they were really never able to give him wide receiver talent. Gronk was there, but in terms of wide receiver talent, a lot of them were homegrown and they just got lucky with Julian Edelman and guys like Wes Welker coming from Miami. No team has been able to do that since. And every team is trying to copy the Patriots formula. You see the Lions are trying to do it. The Texans are trying to do it. They have both failed miserably and now rebuilding now. The Chiefs just paid Patrick Mahomes half a billion dollars. Where is the cap space going to come from to sign players? And I don't blame Pat Mahomes for not taking a pay cut. I wouldn't take a pay cut. But I'm just saying to, to hold that standard over Mahomes' head that he has to win six Super Bowls to be in the conversation with Tom Brady is kind of ridiculous. And I'd hold back on that sentiment. Yeah. And you were talking about the Patriots and the run they went on. You look back at even some of those teams, the year that they went undefeated in the regular season, stormed through the playoffs. They were by far, by far the best team in football. Like it wasn't close. And they still ran into a stone wall with the giants in the Super Bowl. You can do everything right. And sometimes it just won't go your way. So even if the Chiefs somehow put together this perfect formula and get to a couple more Super Bowls, like I don't think people understand how difficult it is to win a Super Bowl. So the expectation, Tom Brady has seven Super Bowls. No franchise in football has more than six. So it is an incredibly difficult thing to win Super Bowls, especially continuously year after year with the same team. And that was one of the things that helped Brady win his seventh. If he stays in New England, I don't think there's any way they win this past year just because the money worked out and the crop of talent that the Bucks had, it was a perfect fit and he slid right in and he took a group that was really good and made them better. It was a perfect fit. But with Patrick Mahomes, like you said, making a half a billion dollars over the next 10, 10 years, I believe, something like that. 10, I think so. So over the next decade, he's going to be making pretty much half of the payroll, half of the salary cap. So where are they going to find places like where are they going to find talent at other positions I think we saw on Sunday how much every position group on the field matters so it's going to be difficult for them when it gets to like year five of the contract if not before then filling it like, I think it's difficult now they're yeah. they're negative in the cap space they're minus 19 million right now and they're going to have to figure out stuff on that offensive line at least this offseason. Like, if they if if nothing else is addressed, they have to at least figure out some offensive line holes. So, it's going to be difficult. If anybody in sports 
deserves a contract like that, it's Patrick Mahomes. But the question becomes, does anybody in sports deserve that contract? Yeah, we all know Patrick Mahomes is great, and he is the best quarterback in the league. He didn't have his Mahomes-like performance in the Super Bowl, but still, we know what he's capable of, and the bashing of him, we can all agree, is kind of dumb. Talking about quarterback, we are going to be talking about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz has been, his name has been bubbling up in the air as of recent. Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen reported that he's probably going to get traded in in the next coming days. Hopefully he doesn't get traded before this segment is put out for you guys to watch in this episode because that would just be a flunker. But the two teams that have been linked to Carson Wentz are the Colts and the Bears. And somebody had reported that the Bears had offered Nick Foles, Tariq Cohen, and a first-round pick for Carson Wentz, which was that statement was later redacted. Tariq Cohen had tweeted it himself. We're not sure what's true, but where do you think that Carson Wentz will end up? I've said this since last season. As much as he was kind of, a, I would say, a failure last year and it ends up with the benching, I thought that, especially after the hiring of Nick Sirianni, they should stick with Carson Wentz because next season or this upcoming season – It doesn't make sense financially to dump him. If you trade him, you're taking on a $33 million dead cap hit, and you just brought in Frank Reich's right-hand man from Indianapolis. So I thought when they made that hire, I gave them credit for it because it was okay. You can't bring back Frank Reich, so bring back the next best thing, the guy who's essentially drawing up the offense there and try and fix Carson Wentz. It it makes sense when you think about it that way. You don't want to give up on your franchise guy, the guy that you paid $100 million to, He kind of looks stupid if you give up on him and you admit that you're wrong. So to me, that thought made sense. So now you brought him in, but you're going to get rid of the quarterback that I figured was the reason you brought in that head coach while also taking on a $33 million dead cap hit. And I don't know, to me, it doesn't seem like the Eagles are really going to be competing next year. Like, what are they going to do with quarterback then? Are they going to go with Jalen Hurts? And if not, are they going to trade Jalen Hurts too? And if, like, then who do they have playing quarterback? Are they drafting a quarterback? So I know Nick Foles was discussed in one of the deals. If they bring in Nick Foles, I don't really see them competing in that division. I think the Washington football team and the Cowboys, if they can bring back Dak and stay healthy, will be better. And maybe even the Giants, depending on how much Daniel Jones improves next year. So I just don't see a sense of direction here. I feel like if you're going to dump Carson Wentz, at least give him one more shot with Nick Sirianni to turn it around and then move on from him next season when the money doesn't hurt as bad to get rid of him. But if they were going to go somewhere, I think places that would make the most sense for him, the Bears, if they're going to move on from Mitch Trubisky, I think getting a quarterback like Carson Wentz in the building, Washington football team would be a good place for him, the Colts, places that need a quarterback, need to figure out their plan for quarterback for the next five to ten years, And I think Carson Wentz has the potential to be that guy. We've talked about him a couple times on this channel. I don't think he's a lost cause. I just think he needs some mechanical fixes and his confidence back. And any team that can offer him that and bring him in with a good head coach and a good offensive system, I think would be a good spot for him. We've seen he can be an MVP caliber player, but it's just getting him back to that form. And I think any team that needs a quarterback should be in on this. I would agree with you. But 
Wentz says he wants out. He doesn't even want it. He doesn't even want to attempt to make it work out with Nick Sirianni. And Adam Schefter, along with Chris Mortensen, have said that he's going to get traded in the next coming days. And when they some, and especially in the, in the NFL wor- world, when they say something in terms of transactions, it's probably going to happen. And I think the two teams that are in the mix are the Bears and the Colts. For me, ah, wow, I, I think that the Chicago Bears, I think Carson Wentz will end up with the Chicago Bears. And the reason why is because Ryan Pace, the Bears GM, wants to do everything humanly possible to fix the mistake that he made a couple years back when he drafted Mitchell Trubisky over Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Because of that, he's going to give up a lot for Carson Wentz. And the Eagles want a Matthew Stafford-like deal. I think the Bears are going to cave in. I don't think the Colts are that desperate to give up a lot for Carson Wentz. I don't think so, especially given the contract. Wentz has four years left on his contract. The good news is that 2020, the team can release him and save $7 million in cap space. So that's a good sign. But I think the Bears are the team that Carson Wentz will ultimately end up with. And in my opinion, I don't think that's a good fit. I don't like Matt Nagy's play calling. I'm not high on him at all. I don't think he can fix Carson Wentz. I think the offensive talent is not there either. Tariq Cohen, he's a receiving back. Uh, David Montgomery had a pretty good season last season, but that offensive line is still an issue. Allen Robinson wants to win a ring. He probably probably doesn't think he's going to do it in Chicago. He's probably going to leave. They don't have much cap space to mess around with this offseason. So because of that, Carson Wentz is going to go to Chicago with basically the same problems they had in Philly. You have no offensive line and no receiver help. The best fit for Carson Wentz would be the Indianapolis Colts. But I don't think the Indianapolis Colts are desperate for Carson Wentz. I think for the right price, they trade for him. But I don't think the Eagles are going to accept that. And because the Bears right now are kind of in a desperate situation, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, they are fighting for their jobs. They need to do something quick to get this team on track because if they miss the playoffs next season or they don't have a good year, they're both getting fired. Frank Reich has that security. Because of that, I think the Bears are going to cave in and give up more than what I believe Carson Wentz is worth. So let me ask you, if the Colts don't go out and get Carson Wentz, where do they pivot next? Would it be Sam Darnold? Because the options are are getting lesser and lesser by the day. It probably is Sam Darnold, maybe bringing back Jacoby Brissett. I wouldn't rule out trading for Marcus Mariota. That's also another possibility. Um Maybe Teddy Bridgewater. I don't think they're in on Watson. I don't think they would yeah, I don't have think, the assets plus cap. I don't think the Texans trade with the division rival either. That's another good point. And then it, I think it's just the draft. You just have to bank on the draft. And, I mean, Frank Ballard is not in any rush to make a move. They asked him in an interview about drafting a quarterback, and he said, I don't care about drafting a quarterback for the, for the optics of it. If he's not the right quarterback, I'm not going to draft him. So he's really not in a rush to try to draft someone just for publicity's sake. Same reason why he's not in a rush to make a trade for Carson Wentz just for publicity's sake. Carson Wentz is in his, I don't know, fifth, sixth year in the NFL. I think fifth, I'm pretty sure, one of those. 
and he's still having these mechanical problems. As much as I want to believe in Wentz, that is a huge concern. So we'll see what happens. But I think ultimately he's going to end up in Chicago, and I'm not sure I like that fit too much. No, I mean, we saw what happened with Trubisky, and maybe it was just Trubisky having a low ceiling, but you didn't really see much improvement at all under Matt Nagy. I thought that Trubisky got worse over his time, and then he had a solid end of the year this year, but I wasn't impressed as the numbers might have shown. So with Wentz going there, already having confidence issues, and like you mentioned, he would be having a lot of the same issues that he had in Philadelphia and Chicago with the offensive line, with not great weapons, with poor play calling. So I don't think it's a good fit either. For the Colts, I thought their guy was Matthew Stafford. So I, I'm very interested to see what the Colts do. But I don't know if it's Carson Wentz. I don't, like you said, I don't know that there are many teams that are chomping at the bit to go out and get Carson Wentz after the struggles he had this year. Because it teams, would be funny. Teams that are in a position to win like the Colts. I think if the Colts get the right quarterback, they could be right up there in the AFC in the AFC conference race. But like it, a Carson Wentz move doesn't make much sense for them because he needs a little bit of rebuilding that confidence and mechanics. But for a team that is a younger team that is looking for a quarterback, it makes more sense just to go out and draft their own guy, especially in a draft that has three to five quarterbacks that people are pretty high on. It would be funny if the Bears do, in fact, trade for Carson Wentz because they would be ultimately going from the 2017 second overall pick in Mitchell Trubisky to the 2016 second overall pick in Carson Wentz, except that 2017 quarterback in Trubisky, they would not be given it. They would not be giving an extension. And in Carson Wentz, they'd be locked in for four years and, Carson Wentz has been good outside of this 2020 season, but he's also never played a playoff game. So how much how much are you willing to trade slash invest for a quarterback that has never played in a playoff game, that, it, that is coming off this horrendous season? It's a big question mark. And he's pretty injury prone too. Behind a not great offensive line is another yep. concern. So we'll see what happens. Talking about Carson Wentz, we're going to pivot and talk about quarterbacks in general because this offseason, there are quite a few quarterbacks that can be on the move, that can be traded, and we're going to rank them right now. Uh, I have six. I, no, actually, I have seven. I have seven quarterbacks that, get, that, can, that can be traded. I also have seven, but a couple of these I was questionable on. Like, I don't know how many of these guys are actually really potentially going to be moved. I actually have an eighth now in mind that will be right at the bottom of the list. I don't think he's higher than, ah, he might he might slide in seven. So I'll go first. My number one quarterback is Deshaun Watson, of course. He threw for 4,823 yards, 33 touchdowns, seven interceptions, he is by far the best quarterback that's on the trade market right now. Well, that can be traded. He's not on the trade market. And the Texans have said that they are not going <laughs> to move him. And part of me believes that. I we were going to make a segment about it, but I'll just say I'll just talk about it right now. I don't think Deshaun Watson gets traded. I think the Texans franchise is extremely stubborn. They are trying to prove a point and 
this might sound like a hot take, but I expect Deshaun Watson to retire if he does not get traded. That, that's what I, like for me, I don't think they want to trade him. And I agree. I think they've shown throughout the process they're very stubborn. But I think it's going to get to a point that Deshaun Watson and his agent are going to play hardball, which I don't think they've done yet. I think they've been very cordial in the way they've handled things so far. And maybe some things have leaked, but Deshaun Watson really hasn't had anything to say about it. You know, it hasn't been this media circus. If it starts getting a little bit deeper into the offseason and nothing has happened and they still hold that same stance, I think the Deshaun Watson's camp is going to make this very ugly. And at some point, you'd have to imagine the Texans are smart enough to cut their losses before Deshaun Watson just runs his value into the ground as much as Deshaun Watson possibly can because his value is always going to be high at at a 25-year-old superstar quarterback. But right now, like it's kind of realistic to think you could get four or five first-round picks for him. At what point do teams start saying you're losing leverage? Because, you know... I know the way the CBA is written up, it is all power to the owners, but Deshaun Watson is one of the only guys in the league that can turn the tables just a bit. So it's, I think it's going to get ugly before it gets better. This situation reminds me of when Carson Palmer wanted to trade out of the Cincinnati Bengals, and because they did not grant it, he retired. It seems like it's trending that way, but my second quarterback is Derek Carr. By the way, I also... I think it's pretty obvious Deshaun Watson yeah. is one for me. So I also think that the best fit for Deshaun Watson is not the Jets or the Dolphins. I think it's the San Francisco 49ers. And they have 50-plus free agents. So they have the cap space to get Deshaun Watson if they want to. I, I think that's the best possible fit for Deshaun Watson. Next QB is Derek Carr. 4,100 yards, 27 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. I think the best fit for him is the Washington football team. But I don't think he gets traded. John Gruden has said, or the organization has said, that they're not going to trade him. We'll see how much that's true. But if they don't, then, you know, he stays in Oakland. He stays in Las Vegas. But if they do, I think the best fit would be the Washington football team. The next quarterback, Carson Wentz, we talked about him this past season in off year, 2,260 yards, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. The best fit for him is the Indianapolis Colts. The next QB is Teddy Bridgewater. Threw for 3,700 yards, 15 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He's kind of a game manager. He is a game manager. And I really can't think of a best fit for Teddy Bridgewater. I think that Teddy Bridgewater stays with the Carolina Panthers. The next QB is Jimmy G. When healthy, he threw for about 4,000 yards um, in 2019. 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. And I think the best fit for him is the Patriots or the Houston Texans in terms of where he could get traded. I think that if the 49ers and the Texans make a deal, it's Jimmy G plus picks for Deshaun Watson, and he might end up in Houston. And then the last quarterback, the last two quarterbacks on my list are Sam Darnold. To this point, he has been a first-round bust but I think the best fit for him are the Denver Broncos and the Chicago Bears. And then the last quarterback is Marcus Mariota. It was just announced that the Raiders are willing to trade Marcus Mariota and not Derek Carr. I'm not sure what team would best fit Derek Carr. I mean, would best fit Marcus Mariota, but he could just be a depth guy. We'll see what happens with him. 
But those are my quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson, one. Derek Carr, two. Carson Wentz, three. Teddy Bridgewater, four. Jimmy Garoppolo, five. Sam Darnold, six. And Marcus Mariota, seven. This was a hard one because it depends on who you're considering, like, on the block. Because I have one guy in here that you didn't have, but his name has been floated around a little bit. Um, And also... Take into consideration with my list, I was considering it a win now situation. Like if I wanted, if I had, if I'm the Colts and I think I can compete, who I would want to bring in immediately. So obviously, it started with Deshaun Watson. No, no need to even read the stats. I think that's pretty obvious. Number two, I have Derek Carr. A lot of the same reasons you said. I think he's super underrated because he's in a situation in Oakland that's a little bit shaky. But his one year that he was healthy and everything around him was solid. He led them to one of their best seasons in recent memory. So I, I like Derek Carr a lot. At three, I have Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he is available, but I did hear his name floated around a bit in, in a couple different rumors. Mike and, Zimmer said that he's our guy. Okay, so if he was available, I would have him at three. I think he's been another one of those guys the last couple of years that's flown under the radar, but he he's a really good quarterback. Next, I have Carson Wentz. It would take a little bit of a rebuilding project, but I think out of young guys that are available, he probably has the highest ceiling. We've seen him play at an MVP caliber level, and it just takes a little bit of retooling, which will be difficult, but could pay off in the long run. Then I have Sam Darnold. I, again, think he has a pretty high ceiling, but it's all about getting him in the right infrastructure. I think the Colts would be a really good spot for him, get him behind a great offensive line, and maybe bring in a weapon in free agency put him with Frank Reich, you would have a a really good formula for success there for a guy that is the youngest starting quarterback in the league as of opening day this past season. And even in the past two years where he hasn't been great, you've seen flashes that he can really be special. So does he ever find that potential? I would lean towards no, but it's there. It's, It's definitely inside of him. It's just about bringing it out, putting him in the right situation. Then I have Jimmy G. I don't really know how to feel about him. At sometimes, I feel like he's just a game manager at his best. I think he could be slightly more than that. You know, I think he's above average at best. If I was a competing team, I don't really think I would look into him being my quarterback. He he did well with the 49ers. They went to the Super Bowl, but I think that had a lot more to do with their defense than with him and their running game. Then after him, I have Teddy Bridgewater. I feel like his best days are behind him. I like Teddy. I think he's a good leader, great for a quarterback room but not an ideal starting quarterback at this point in his career. And then just at the end, I slotted in Marcus Mariota. Just because it's not even a knock on him. I just think the quarterbacks above him are better. Um, But he's an interesting project. I feel like the league right now is better suited towards what he was coming out of college than it was when he actually came out of college. And he showed some signs in that one game that he was able to get in and play that you know, maybe he has the potential to be a starting quarterback, even if it's not for a top-tier team. So I would like to see him get a shot somewhere. I loved him in Oregon, and hopefully he does get a second chance. Now my question to you, a guy that I didn't include in here, if Tua was on this list, where would you put him on your list? Mm. Because he's been talked about in Deshaun Watson rumors. I know they've said he's their guy, but... I guess I, I slot him in behind Wentz above Bridgewater and Garoppolo, but Watson, Carr, Wentz, Cousins, 
way above Tua at, at this point, at least. Uh, Sam Darnold's like on the fringe. I'll see. We'll see what's up with him. Because Sam Darnold has the talent, but he hasn't performed. And, you know, you can say the offensive line, all this and all that, but he hasn't shown improvement since his rookie season. So at some point, the excuses have to stop, right? So we'll see. But I think I would slot Tua right there in the middle. But I do think the Dolphins are going to stick with two. I think that's their guy. I, I don't, you know, even though he played bad in his last week of the year, I think that the Dolphins aren't going to be, you know, just switching out quarterbacks. The only every way time they would one move struggles. on from him is for Deshaun Watson, I feel like. And even that, I don't know. Yeah, I don't even think, because to this point, there have been no uh, reports that, any team has been in talks about getting Deshaun Watson. I've heard it's that, just been rumors. Yeah, I've heard that every team that has called them has been shut down, and, and they have stood by they're not going to trade him, which I think is ludicrous. I mean, I, I understand you should want to keep your guy in Deshaun Watson, but at some point, you know, you've turned the page on doing that, and it just seems like every report that comes out from the Texans, it's almost like a joke at this point. Like, just this past week, they fired their equipment manager and his staff, who was supposedly beloved by Jashon Watson, J.J. Watt, and the rest of the roster. And it's like, what's the game plan? Where are you going with this? Yeah, I, I think the Texans right now are a stubborn organization that are out to prove a point of dominance. And because of that, that's why I don't think Deshaun Watson will get traded because I think regardless of how much value they're going to get back, they are just not going to let go of Deshaun Watson just to prove a point to Deshaun Watson that he doesn't have the power and where he goes with his career that they do. And that way, they're going to hope that Deshaun Watson ends up caving in and plays with the Texans so he gets paid. That's a, that's a big gamble to make because if he, if he calls their bluff and say he even goes as far as retiring, now you're going into next season still in – Really poor cap situation with no extra added value and no quarterback. At least if you trade Deshaun Watson, you get back a replacement quarterback and maybe draft a quarterback. But if he retires, you get no you get no quarterback to start next season, and you have no extra assets like you would get from him. So it's a dangerous game. That's the thing. I think that they're okay with playing that because even if they the losers in a situation they would feel like the winners because they would ultimately in doing that and not trading him and Deshaun Watson ultimately retiring, Deshaun Watson has taken years off his career. They can feel like the winners, but not only would they lose now, but it would hurt them moving forward too, I think, because I think Deshaun Watson is a very well-liked and very well-respected guy around the league, and I think guys would see him get, I don't want to say disrespected, mishandled by the Texans and you know it would kind of be like when we talked about James Harden and the way that deal went down I think they got a better offer from the Sixers but James Harden wanted to go to Brooklyn and as ugly as it seemed on the outside they still appeased him and wanted to make things better for him and I think guys around the league respected that the Texans are walking a very dangerous line and even if they think they're winning not only would they lose to Deshaun Watson but they would lose the rest of the league this past weekend, the NFL honors happened. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP. Derrick Henry won the Offensive Player of the Year. 
Justin Herbert won the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Chase Young won the Defensive Player of the Year. And Kevin Stefanski won the Coach of the Year. Alex Smith, the Comeback Player of the Year. And Aaron Donald, the Defensive Player of the Year. That was the only award that got a lot of backlash, especially from J.J. Watt, because he thought his brother T.J. Watt deserved to win the award these are TJ Watt stats, two forced fumbles, 15 sacks, 53 tackles, 23 tackles for loss, 41 quarterback hits, 19 hurries, 26 QB knockdowns, 61 pressures. Aaron Donald had four forced fumbles, 13 and a half sacks, 45 tackles, 14 tackles for loss, 28 quarterback hits, 14 hurries, 16 quarterback knockdowns, and 45 pressures. So T.J. Watt had better stats across the board. In one less game, too. Yes, in one less game. Do you think that T.J. Watt was snubbed from this award, the Defensive Player of the Year award? I was very surprised, I'll say that. And I don't think that Aaron Donald is ever a bad choice. I think he's the greatest defensive player of our generation, maybe in the discussion of being the best defensive player of all time. But this season... And I understand the argument of double teams and how much Aaron Donald faced them. But the numbers, to me, it were completely in favor of T.J. Watt. I mean, you, you just read him down. He led in every statistical category that really matters when judging defend or defensive linemen except forced fumbles. And in all of that in one less game. So, to me, I thought that T.J. Watt deserved it. I said that on our are our show predicting the award winners. That was really the only one that I had a problem with. Because even, I think I had said Ron Rivera for coach of the year. Kevin Stefanski was more than deserving. And Aaron Donald is deserving. But I thought that this was T.J. Watt's award, personally. Yeah, I think the stats show that it was T.J. Watt. Uh, one can be one can make the argument that although the stats show it was T.J. Watt, Aaron Donald was the better player this season. Uh, Aaron Donald got double teamed way more than T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt didn't get double-teamed that much. Uh, so there's an argument to be made for that. But if we're just looking at the stat sheet, then T.J. Watt should have gotten it over Aaron Donald. And people forget, but last year, Stephon Gilmore won the award, and people thought T.J. Watt was snubbed last year. This is the second year in a row where people are feeling like T.J. Watt deserved the award and he didn't get it. And, I mean, if you're a Steelers fan, it may be good because now T.J. Watt is not going to command as much money when he's a free agent. (laughs) And it also may be good because he's going to come into 2021 with the vengeance, trying to prove something even more than he was trying to prove before. He might even have a better season next season because he was snubbed for the second time. We'll see what happens, but... I think by far, you know, he did get snubbed from this award, and the case could be made that he could have won it last year over Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, and I just think that T.J. Watt was harmed by the fact that he plays for such a good defense because there are so many weapons. He didn't really have the ability to be double teams because there are so many other things to worry about, whereas Aaron Donald is really the focal point of that Rams defense. And it's a really great unit but it starts and ends with Aaron Donald. He's the guy that you need to focus on and and eliminate. And you saw when the Packers did that, they were pretty successful against the Rams. So 
you know, I, I think that the fact that Aaron Donald is more important to that Rams defense than TJ Watt is to the Steelers defense ended up hurting TJ Watt. Yeah, without a doubt. It was now, almost like a most valuable defender more than a defensive player of the year. Yep. Now we're going to get into our second part of the show. It's the AFC West off-season preview. And out of respect for Kansas City Chiefs fans, I will now take off my Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> hat. So right now, I think I have hat hair, so I'm going to fix my hair a little bit. All right, I think that's good. So, okay. The Kansas City Chiefs off-season preview. We have the picture up on the screen right now. I think that's the question everybody's wondering. What's next for the Kansas City Chiefs? So right now, they have their negative in cap space, minus $19 million in the cap space department. And that's because they locked up a lot of their key players long-term. Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Chris Jones, Frank Clark, they might have locked up um, Travis Kelsey. I wouldn't rule it out. I'm not sure. I haven't, be, I haven't been keeping up with that situation. But they do have 24 free agents, and these are the notable ones. Sammy Watkins, Alex Okafor, Austin Ryder, Demarcus Robinson, Le'Veon Bell, Mike Remmers, Kalecio Semele, Anthony Sherman, Andrew Wiley, Stephen Wisniewski, Daniel Sorensen, Bashad Breland, and Damian Wilson. That's a total of six starters on the offensive side of the football and three starters on the defensive side of the football. So in your opinion, Jack, which of these players should the Chiefs be hell-bent on bringing back into the building? Well, I think the offensive line is the place you have to start, and I don't know which offensive lineman exactly you would look at bringing back. A couple of them had, had solid years. I know Kalecchi Assembly had a pretty good year, but you have to weigh... You know, with age, injuries, there are a bunch of different factors on who are the guys you want to bring back, but I think the offensive line, at least retaining one of those guys is very important, and then filling out that line, whether it be through free agency, I wouldn't rule out them maybe trading up in the draft to get a guy like Eichenberg or um, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, but they need to show up that offensive line because I was saying it before during the Super Bowl segment, their one glaring weakness in the game, I thought, was the offensive line. It was their Achilles heel. It was what killed them. And I feel like that will be the thing that could kill them in the future. They have some holes on their defense that they have to shore up. But to me, you can bear some holes on your defense with Patrick Mahomes, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey on offense as long as you have at least a decent offensive line. So I would start by figuring out the offensive line. I'm not sure out of those guys who exactly I would bring back, but... I would say at least one of those guys has to be retained. See, for me, I think this is a pretty easy pick. I think Sammy Watkins goes, Le'Veon Bell goes, Demarcus yeah. Robinson, there's a chance he stays, but he probably will go to Mike Remmers, maybe for death, but he might go. Coleccio Assembly, he was he was pretty good this season, but he was injured, so because of that, I think he won't be retained. I think the two guys that stand out to me on the offensive line that should be retained are Andrew Wiley and Austin Ryder. I think Austin Ryder is the one that should be retained. It it should be the number one priority for the Chiefs to bring him back. He was very good this season, and I kind of have to disagree with you, Jack, when you said that 
The offensive line is your weakness. I think that in the game against the Tampa Bay Bucks, it was their weakness, no doubt about it. But the Chiefs have Mitchell Schwartz, an all-pro tackle, coming back that was injured that did not play. Uh, Austin Ryder has been phenomenal, phenomenal all year. He's their center, so you need a good center for the continuity of the offensive line to be good. And their guard, Laurent Duvernay Tardif, who opted out of the season because of COVID last season, is going to come back. So I think there are two positions on the line that they have to fill, tackle and getting another guard, because Eric Fisher tore his Achilles. Who knows if he's going to play in 2021? We are not sure. They're minus $19 million in the cap space department, and I think if they cut Eric Fisher, they would save $12 million. That would still put them over the cap, but they would save a lot of money by that. So because of that, I think if they cut Eric Fisher and try to find a replacement in free agency, that would do them wonders. Also, this may be a hot take, but if they cut Tyron Matthew, they would save about $15 million. And at this point, is paying $15 million for safety really that worth it? He was the heart and soul of that defense, so it's going to be hard to move on from him. But you got to think about that, especially with their cap situation. But ultimately, I think they have to bring back Austin Ryder. And right now, his projected market value is $11 million. So we'll see if they bring him back. They might not have the money to do it, but that would be the guy that I would prioritize. Now I'm going to ask you right now, who are your free agent targets for the Kansas City Chiefs to fill these holes? Well, I think that they should look at the... The problem is their money situation. It doesn't leave them much breathing room in, in terms of big-name big, big name free agents. Obviously, they should be looking at the offensive line, but I don't know if they're in the market for a guy like Thune or Scherf. Like, I, don't think they, if, I don't think they would have the money to make somebody like that work, correct? Nope. So, I mean, then you have to start looking. Do you think that they're going to address the offensive line through the draft or through free agency? I think it'll, it'll be a little bit of both. For me, I personally feel like there are some offensive linemen in this free agent market that are not going to be expensive and are going to be some serviceable guys. You look at a guy like Kelvin Beacom, he's not going to command too much money, and he's a serviceable guy, especially at left tackle. Uh, Austin Blythe is probably going to command a lot of money. He's a center that is going to be a free agent. He played for the Rams. But guys like John Feliciano, Brian Winters, I don't think Brian Winters is going to get a big payday. I think the Kansas City Chiefs, could probably afford to bring in a guy like uh, Brian Winters. And we've seen, there was a point where he was the best, he was the Jets' best offensive lineman. So he's not a scrub. You look at guys like DJ Fluker, Mike Upati. Those are all guys that are names out there that they wouldn't command much money in the first place. And so maybe win a Super Bowl with the Chiefs, it would make, it would make signing with the Chiefs that more lucrative and that, it would make them much more willing to take a pay cut. Do you think a guy like Trent Williams at this age would take a pay cut to go and play like a team like the Chiefs? I don't think he would because Trent Williams could go to Tampa Bay and make more money and have the same opportunity. So I don't think so. So for me, the offensive line, thats uh, I think those are some free agent targets. Uh, John Feliciano, Brian Winters, DJ Fluker, Mike Upati, and Kelvin Beacom. I think Austin Blythe and John Feliciano are going to command too much money. So... Some realistic options would be Brian Winters, DJ Fluker, and Mike Upati and Kelvin Beacom. And they're going to lose 
Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson in free agency most likely as well, and I think Brian Pringle may be a free agent. I think some guys to to replace them could be John Ross, a former first round pick out of um for, that played for Cincinnati. He could be a guy who's a burner too. You pairing with McCole Hardman and Tyree Kill, that could be very dangerous. Khalif Raymond, another burner. Uh, Marvin Hall, those are some guys that pop up, and I think they don't need to do too much in the in 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 terms of wide receiver. This is a very wide receiver heavy draft, and they already have Tyree Kill and Miko Hardman and Travis Kelsey. You don't got to do too much. Yeah, and I would say with having a guy like Tyree Kill, with having Hardman, two burners like that, and I know Tyree Kill is more than a burner, but having two burners like that, I would maybe bring in more of a, a technician, a route runner, somebody that can work into the holes rather than just being a downfield target. I don't think they bring back Sammy Watkins. I, I don't think for I think he can get more money somewhere else and I think he'll go and chase the bag rather than taking a pay cut to to play for the Chiefs again. Um but I think they could look for a more veteran type wide receiver. Like I don't think they need to be in on some big name Maybe. Danny Amendola can be a guy yeah. to look for. Yeah, maybe. A slot. How about a guy like Cole Beasley if the Bills end up cutting him? I think Cole Beasley's not gonna is, is gonna command some money though. You think so? Yes, I think he is. Even at his age with the injuries? Coming off a thousand yard season, I think he is. I think he is. Yeah, but I, I would say a, a veteran route runner. I don't think they need anything too flashy with those weapons they have. So and again, it every position you look at here it becomes more and more apparent how much of a hamstring that Patrick Mahomes contract is because they, yeah. they are paying him so much money. But it's not just him now. I, I, right now, it's a lot of guys like Anthony Hitchens is getting a boatload of money, and I don't even think Mahomes' contract has kicked in yet. So this is – they're so bad in terms of their, their salary cap situation because of other guys they're paying, not even Mahomes. So Anthony Hitchens is commanding a lot of money, and he's an average linebacker at best. For me, I think a cornerback is another position they need to address. You have Legereus Sneed and Bashad Breeland. That that's their two right now. That like their two best corners. I think you have to gamble on talent yeah. when you don't have the money to sign big names, stab or established players. And guys that come up to me are Garyon Conley, who was a former first round pick by the Raiders. He played for the Texans this past year. Kevin King, who didn't have a good playoffs with the Packers, and Vernon Hargreaves, who also played for the Texans. If you trust your staff and your defense, and Steve Spagnola, I do trust him to take this former first-round talent and turn them into viable starters, then you do it because you're not going to – these guys are not going to command much money, and you got to get in some cornerback help to help out your secondary because their secondary is not very good and they are very undisciplined. Yeah, and I think if you want to go in a different direction with it and just try and plug the holes with a quick stopgap, maybe a guy like Richard Sherman or Patrick Peterson would be willing to take a pay cut to go and mm-hmm. play there and try and steal a championship ring late in their career. I know Richard Sherman is bouncing around the league every day talking about a new team that he would go and play for, so maybe the Chiefs would be a good fit, but... Again, it just depends. Like I, I think that your route would be much more reasonable trying to take a talent and, and get them to reach their potential rather than just signing stopgaps because then you're going to have the same problem every year. So in the draft, I'm pretty sure they're going to have the 31st pick in the first round. 
what do you think who do you think they should get with that pick and who 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 are some names that you kind of think they should go after in the draft I definitely think they should look to draft an offensive lineman with their first round pick and if they don't trade up I think in a trade up situation they could look for somebody like an Alex Leatherwood an Elijah Vera Tucker Wyatt Davis maybe but if they don't they could hope that Liam Eikenberg makes it to that late first round pick. I don't know if he does. Do you think he falls that late? There's a chance. I don't know that he does. Maybe if he doesn't, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, I feel like starts going into that second tier of offensive linemen. But again, you know, I don't think they need to do anything too crazy. I do think that those first three or four names will be targets, but I don't know that anybody outside of Eikenberg even has a chance at falling back to that late first round pick. Some guys that I'm looking at right now are Quinn Manners out of Wisconsin Whitewater. He played in the Senior Bowl, and he was one of the Senior Bowl standouts there. So in the past years, guys that have been performing at the Senior Bowl have made the transition to the, to the NFL pretty well. You know, they've transitioned pretty well. So Quinn Manners is a name to look out for. I think he'd, I think the Chiefs could get him in the second round, to be honest. And But with that first-round pick, these are the two names I'm looking for. Tevin Jenkins, he only allowed four pressures all year long in college football last season. He played for Oklahoma State. If they lose Eric Fisher and they don't fill that tackle spot in free agency, that's a guy that they should draft. And Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State, he allowed a pass rating of 46.2 last year in college football, and he had a father that played in the NFL (laughs) that was really, really good. So he has it in him. He has that DNA. And because of that, I'll take Asante Samuel in the first round. They need cornerback help. He's also very fast. And now the Chiefs would have two young cornerbacks, Legeria Sneed and Asante Samuel Jr. That's a really good building block to move forward with. I, I would take Asante Samuel Jr., but if they want to wait later to take a cornerback in the draft, I mean, um, Sean Wade out of Ohio State is a guy, even though he didn't have a good college football playoffs, you can still, he has talent, so you can yeah. still possibly get him. Or a guy like Tyson Campbell out of Georgia, he's six foot two, so he has a size. Those are some names, but in my opinion, I draft Asante Samuel Jr. in the first round and try to get Quinn Manners in the second round. I like the Sean Wade shout. I think that Ohio State does a great job developing defensive talent. So even though, like you said, he didn't have a great college football playoff, he was also matched up against some incredibly difficult offensive players to guard. You could see that Alabama wide receiving group. I don't think there was anybody in college football that could stop Devonta Smith one-on-one this year. So that was a really tough island to throw him on. So I think that would be a good pick, especially since I think his value took a hit a bit in the college football playoff. And then also a little bit later on, I think if they don't address the tackle with that first-round pick, they can get a guy like Dylan Radons. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, from North Dakota State. Or if they want to go receiver, another guy I think they could look at is Amon Ra St. Brown from USC. I thought he, he looks really good when I saw him, and I think he's a guy that could fall to them in the second round if they want to fill that third receiver spot. Or I guess technically fourth if you want to say Nicole Hardman steps up and, and takes Sammy Watkins' spot. So that's our offseason preview for the Kansas City Chiefs. What we think they should do in terms of re-signing their players in free agency and in the draft. What do you guys think the Kansas City Chiefs should do in the offseason? Comment that down below. Now, 
The next team we are going to talk about is also in the AFC West. They finished second. They were seven and nine, I believe. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. This is our Los Angeles Chargers offseason preview. And just to start out, these are the their notable free agents. Melvin Ingram, Hunter Henry, Mike Pouncey, Denzel Perriman, Michael Davis, Forrest Lamp, Sam Tevy, Dan Feeney, Ray Sean Jenkins, and Michael Badgley. In my opinion, they should not retain Melvin Ingram. You should let him walk because he doesn't fit in a defensive scheme. You retain Hunter Henry because you need to give Justin Herbert weapons. Mike Pouncey, you let him walk. He's only played five. He played five games in 2019 and zero in 2020. You can't really bank on him again. You can't rely on him in 2021, so I'd let him walk. Denzel Perriman, I'm kind of iffy about because he is a really solid contributor, and at the inside linebacker spot, he could make an impact, but I kind of lean towards Drew Tranquil over Denzel Perriman, which is why I wouldn't be opposed to letting him walk. Then the next guy, Michael Davis, I think you bring in Michael Davis back because he was huge with the Chargers. He really developed this past season. I would look to bring him back. And then the offensive lineman, Forrest Slam, Sam, Sam Tevy, Dan Feeney. I think out of those three guys, I'd bring back Dan Feeney because he can play the center or the guard spot. He's very versatile. He's not that good, but, you know, he's versatile, so that's worth something. And with, a more, with an offensive line that has more continuity, he possibly can be better than what he showed on tape this past season. Their offensive linemen that are free agents are are really kind of depth offensive linemen. They aren't starting caliber outside of Mike Pouncey. And then you got a guy like Sean Jenkins, who was very huge in the safety spot. He was their best safety this past season with Derwin James out. They have a young safety in Nazir Adderley, but I don't know how much you can really rely on him. I look to bring back Sean Jenkins and then Michael Badgley, their kicker. Probably going to bring him back. Hopefully, he becomes more consistent and accurate this upcoming season. But these are some moves they can make. They can cut Trey Turner and save $11 million. I wouldn't do it because he's a Pro Bowl caliber guard, and they need as much offensive line help as they can get. And I'm counting on him to be healthy in 2021. And if they cut Linville Joseph, they can save $7 million. And I think... Justin Jones, their other defensive tackle, and Jerry Tillery deserve a shot. Justin Jones was actually good this past year, so I don't think that Linvel Joseph would be a huge loss, even though he was great against the run this past season. I think they can make up for his loss and his departure. But all in all, I notable guys I think they should let Walker, Melvin Ingram, and Mike Pouncey, and they should retain Hunter Henry and Michael Davis and Rayshon Jenkins. Yeah, I, I actually agree completely I would be fine letting Melvin Ingram walk I think that the most important two guys to bring back I would consider putting Hunter Henry in this list but I would say Michael Davis and Rayshon Jenkins are the first two guys that I would bring back because Brandon Staley you saw last year with the Rams how important that secondary was and how good that secondary group was so if you can sure up a solid secondary putting that in Brandon Staley's system I think that it, it would be nice continuity from what the Rams were doing. So I think shoring up that secondary is an important thing to start with. Hunter Henry, obviously, if you can keep that continuity with Justin Herbert and keep as many weapons in the building as possible, I know he's going to get a bit pricey, especially because he is 
I think pretty far and away the best tight end on the market this year. I would like to keep him, even though he will be pricey. And then I think one of those offensive linemen that are free agents, I would bring back, you know, maybe it's Sam Tevy, maybe it's Forrest Lamp. I don't think you could go wrong with either of those guys, but I think one of those offensive linemen should be retained. But most importantly, I think the secondary is where you need to target, and Mike Davis and Rayshon Jenkins should be the guys. So the Los Angeles Chargers have $33 million projected in cap space. That could be $44 million if they cut Trey Turner only and keep Linval Joseph, or it could be $50 million if they cut both of them. They're switching to a 3-4 defensive scheme, I assume, because Brandon Staley is the head coach now. But who are some of your free agent targets? I think they need to shore up the offensive line, so that is a position I would look at first. Again, obviously the two names that jump off the page, Joe Thune and Brandon Scherf, would be the two guys that I would look into. Um, outside of that, maybe they could shore up the wide receiver position. I don't, I don't know. It would be a lower-tier target. It wouldn't be any of the top guys, obviously. I don't think they would be on an Allen Robinson or, or any of those guys. Um, but a, a lower-tier wide receiver, I think, would be a solid move, just helping uh, Justin Herbert out, bringing in targets for him and keeping him going You know, with, with a solid offense. Maybe a different running back. I, I'm not that high on Austin Eckler. I know a lot of people like him, but between the injuries that have been a problem, and I also just don't think he's a number one running back. Like I don't think he's a three-down back. I think he's more of a change of pace back, and, and I think uh, between the tackle runner would be more efficient to have with Justin Herbert. So if they could bring in a between-the-tackle running back, I think it would make sense. And then a cornerback. Um Maybe a guy like Xavier Rhodes or, you know, I don't think that they would be in on a guy like Richard Sherman or Patrick Peterson, but I do think a guy like Xavier Rhodes makes sense. I don't think that they're going to bring back both of Casey Hayward and I'm getting all mixed up on my pages now. Um, but I don't, I don't know that they're going to keep the same cornerbacks. I think Casey Hayward could be a potential cap hit but I think cornerback would be another position to target. If it's not Xavier Rhodes, I think they go through the draft and replace him there. Maybe a guy like J.C. Horn, but that's another position they had to shore up. So for me, I think the positions they need to shore up, as you mentioned, at the offensive line, and I think they need an edge rusher, outside linebacker, edge rusher. To make this system work, especially the defensive system, you need an edge rusher and you need fast cover inside linebacker type players. For me, I think on defense, a name, of course, is Shaq Barrett. Everybody is going to try to go after Shaq Barrett, but I think he stays in Tampa Bay. But a guy I'd look at who plays for a division rival is Shelby Harris. Shelby Harris is a phenomenal run-stuffing defensive nose tackle. He would be phenomenal in Brandon Staley's defense and a guy that played for Brandon Staley in Los Angeles who fits this defensive scheme perfect who had 10.5 sacks this past season, Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd going to the Los Angeles Rams, Los Angeles Chargers, would be a great move for the Chargers. Leonard Floyd wouldn't have to move. It makes perfect sense for both parties, and it's a perfect defensive scheme for Leonard Floyd. Leonard Floyd and Joey Bosa rushing the passion together, that would be awesome. And Nwosu on the other out as the other outside linebacker, it would be awesome. And then on, on offense, 
you mentioned Joe Thune and Brandon Scherf. Uh, they could get a guard, but if they keep Trey Turner, I don't think they need to go that route because I think Dan Feeney or Forrest Lamp can play the other guard spot. I'd go center, and the guy that's on the picture here, I'd go Corey Lindsey. The Packers and Corey Lindsey have not talked about a contract extension yet. They have not talked yet. That's usually a bad sign. The Packers don't have the cap space to even bring him in and sign him to a contract that he would like. The Chargers, I think, are the best landing spot for Corey Lindsey. And I think outside of the tackle spot, the center spot is the most important position on the offensive line. It's the guy that's snapping the ball to your quarterback. Having a guy like Corey Lindsey, who was the best center in football this past season, go to the Chargers, would help out Justin Herbert tremendously. Another guy to look at that's not a free agent, but that's going to be on the trade market is Orlando Brown. He plays right tackle for the Ravens right now, but he said that he if the Ravens don't move him to left tackle, then he's not going to play there and he wants to get traded. So that's another guy to look at. If they can get a Corey Lindsey, Orlando Brown, and a Leonard Floyd in this offseason, that's a huge win to me. And bringing back Michael Davis to pair up with Casey Hayward Jr. and Chris Harris Jr., that would be phenomenal. But they should also look at Kwan Williams. He's a slot who's really good at man-to-man. He was one of the best slots this past season for the 49ers. I think he would be a good option to bring in. And if the Chargers miss out on Leonard Floyd, they could also bring in Hassan Reddick, who had 12 and a half sacks, I believe, for the Cardinals, and he fits into that 3-4 defensive scheme perfectly. But all in all, I think the free agent signings and the priority players that the Chargers should place a lot of their chips on are Corey Lindsey, Leonard Floyd, and... Um, Shelby Harris as well. I wouldn't rule out rule out Andre Villanueva as well to sure up yeah. that left tackle spot. But I think they have the cap space to play with, and they should they should go out all out and sign Corey Lindsay. I think that is their prized possession this offseason, getting Corey Lindsay. Yeah, you want to sure up that offensive line because you want to do as much as possible to protect Justin Herbert. You saw what happened with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati with all those problems on the offensive line, and him ended up getting injured. At edge rusher, another name I think they look at Justin Houston. Although he's the same age as Melvin Ingram, I think he's a lot more productive still at this age. So if they can't get many of those top-tier guys or even a Leonard Floyd like you mentioned, I think Justin Houston would be a good option. Might be a little bit cheaper than a guy like Shaq Barrett and maybe not as sought after as those top guys. Yeah, I agree. Now in the draft, the Chargers have the 13th pick. And I have three players that they can go in, go with in this with this pick. The first one is Rashawn Slater. I think he's a phenomenal offensive tackle and the drop off between him and Penny Sewell is not that much. There are some scouts that think he's even better than Penny Sewell or on the same level. I, if Rashawn Slater is there, I'd go with Rashawn Slater. There is a question mark of whether he is going to be there or not, but if he is, I'd go with him. Another guy would be Elijah Vera Tucker. He can sure up that guard spot for the Chargers if he's drafted. And a third guy, it's rumored that he has character issues. But when I say that this guy is a top five talent in this draft and he has the potential to not only be a pro bowler but an all pro in this league is Micah Parsons. He's literally a freak of nature. He's super fast. He's tall. He's muscular. He can do it all on the football field. He can cover. He's a great blitzer. He plays aggressive. He is a guy that I would want on my team 
if I know that he is going to perform and not get into trouble outside of outside of the field, which is a problem, but he has mentors. You know, he's close with Navarro Bowman, who was a who was a Pro Bowl linebacker for the 49ers. He's also I forgot who else he's close close with. I forgot his name right now, but he was a linebacker that played in the NFL for quite some time too. So he has some guidance and mentorship. I would look I would look to bring in Micah Parsons and with later picks if they lose Hunter Henry. Maybe bring in Brevin Jordan, who was good in Miami. I like him a lot. Or Jason O. Owe, another pass rusher out of Penn State who played with Michael Parsons. And Jay Tufeli. If they lose Linvel Joseph, if they cut Linvel Joseph, Jay Tufeli would be a guy that has talent that can maybe sure up that defensive tackle spot if Jerry Tillery or Justin Jones don't pan out. But those are the guys I think they should target in this draft. In the first round, Rashawn Slater is the number one priority. I think if Micah Parsons is there, you take the chance. And if not, Elijah Vera Tucker, you go with him and show up that guard spot. Yeah, you mentioned offensive line. I think offensive line should be the focus. Rashawn Slater is a guy that I would target, and that would be a a top choice for me. I think that would be a no-brainer. But if they want to go in a different direction, I think that cornerback could be another place they look to target. Again, Brandon Staley's system. I think you need a very strong secondary, you know, like he had in Los Angeles with the Rams. Um, And I think there are a bunch of good options that could be on the board. Patrick Sertain is one from Alabama. He had a great year and was covering pretty much elite talent every weekend. Another guy, Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley. He runs a 4-3. He's very speedy. Uh, Another guy, J.C. Horn from South Carolina, super versatile. So those are a couple of cornerbacks I think they could target if they want to go a different direction. But I think offensive line would be the place that I would go before all else because, like I said, it's all about protecting that guy up there. Exactly. Justin Herbert, this offense is about getting Justin Herbert help. We'll see if the Los Angeles Chargers do that this upcoming offseason. The next team we're going to talk about is the Las Vegas Raiders the Las Vegas Raiders offseason preview, they had the 30th ranked defense in the NFL. Offense was not a problem for them. Derek Carr gets a lot of slack for not winning, but how are you supposed to win when your defense is so bad? They have 20 free agents this upcoming offseason, and these are the most notable ones in my eyes. Jonathan Hankins to Karis McKinley, Eric Harris Nelson Aguilar, who played really well this season. Denzel Good. Nicholas Morrow, who's a good linebacker. Malik Collins. Nevin Lawson. Vic Beasley. Raekwon McMillan. Daryl Worley. And Zay Jones. Out of this crop of guys, I think that uh, Eric Harris, maybe you bring him back for depth. Nelson Aguilar, I think, is a must, must guy to bring back, even though he called out the coaching staff and said that, they don't hold anybody accountable. And Nicholas Morrow. But outside of Nicholas Morrow, Nelson Aguilar, and maybe Eric Harris, everybody else pretty much can, can uh, I wouldn't mind if they go. You know, I don't think they're must-bring-back guys. I think it's only Nelson Aguilar, Nicholas Morrow, and Eric Harris. They're minus $9 million in cap space right now. But if they cut Tyrell Williams, they'd have $11.6 million freed up. If they cut LaMarcus Joyner, who was very disappointing, they'd have $8.7 million freed up. And if they cut Richie Incognito, 
they'd have $6.35 million freed up. Just cutting those three players, they'd have $26.5 million freed up in cap space. And another guy they could cut that I wouldn't cut because I think he's a good guard is Gabe Jackson. That would free up $10 million. And Jalen Richard, which would free up $3.5 million. All in all, if they don't cut Gabe Jackson but cut everybody else, they would have $31.1 million in cap space heading into free agency. In your opinion, out of the players that are free agents for the Raiders, who do you think they should keep and who should they cut? Again, I think, like you said, Nelson Aguilar should be a main target. I don't think that Henry Ruggs developed at a pace that the Raiders would have thought, or maybe they thought he was a little bit more of a project and he hasn't come along quickly, or at least as quickly as other rookie receivers. So I think he could use uh, help at that receiver position, not relying on him to be the number one just yet. And I thought Aguilar did a really nice job this year. So I, I think he would be a top target to bring back. Outside of that, I, I don't think that any of these guys are too important to bring back. I think they can use the money more than anything. That defense is in a lot of trouble, so I think taking that money and putting it into the defense defensive side of the ball would be a huge help. So to me, the number one target would be Nelson Aguilar. Beyond that, you know, I don't I don't think there are any pressing guys in that group that need to be brought back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And with all the salary space that they can free up. They could also free up $19 million if they trade Derek Carr, but I don't think they do that this offseason. At first, I did. A few weeks ago, I did, but John Gruden just came out and said that they're only going to be willing to trade Marcus Mariota. We'll see if that holds true. The Raiders have had a top-10 defense twice in the last 30 years. That's really bad, so I think this free agency is all about getting defense, and this draft is all about getting defense, even though they could use a number one wide receiver, in my opinion, but I think they should focus on defense, and with that money, they should go out and get these guys, right? Um, Gus Bradley, their new defense defensive coordinator, runs a cover three four, out of a 4-3 base, which guys who played under that scheme, the Legion of Boom, Dan Quinn in Atlanta, over the past couple of years, that scheme has gotten a bad rap, but... I think guys you can bring in to fit that scheme would be Shelby Harris, who I'm going to mention a lot because he's a really good defensive tackle. I'm not even sure the Broncos let him go. Yannick Ngakwe, who would fit that scheme perfectly. He's young. The Raiders can bank on his talent, and he could really succeed. And I think there's a familiarity there because he coached Yannick Ngakwe when Gus Bradley was in Jacksonville, I believe. Ryan Kerrigan is another name to look at. He's an older player, but he's not going to demand that much money. Leonard Williams can fill in that nose tackle spot for the Raiders as well. He's very good at stopping the run, and sometimes that may limit him in terms of trying to go and rush the passer and getting those sack numbers up. Another guy is Matt Hewitt I would stay away from him because I don't think he's nearly as good as what he's going to get paid this offseason. Melvin Ingram is another guy. And, of course, Shaq Barrett, the prized possession of this offseason. It would be huge to get him, but I do think he resigns in Tampa Bay and Hassan Reddick. But ultimately, it's about getting an edge rusher to pair up with Kellen Farrell and Max Crosby. I think in this 4-3 scheme, um, Kellen Farrell moves to the defensive tackle spot because he's a better run stopper than pass rusher, and you get a real edge guy. But we'll see. I think 
I would, in my opinion, if I were to make money on it, I think the Raiders go out and sign Yannick Ngakwe this offseason. I think you mentioned one of the guys that would be my top targets, Leonard Williams. He's from California. He's expressed interest in playing California in California a couple times. They're from Las Vegas. I mean, yeah. he's playing out west um, a couple times, playing for the Raiders was one of the teams that you know he's been linked to throughout his career because he's from California. And when he was growing up, they were a California team. Now they're still out west, just in Vegas. Um, but again, that defense needs a lot of help. I think he could bring some nice pressure on the line. Another position I think they could look at is cornerback. Maybe a guy like Brian Poole from the Jets. Mm-hmm. He kind of had an underwhelming season this past year, but a lot of guys on the Jets did. They didn't have a great season as a team, if you hadn't been watching. Uh, but I think he he's one of the best nickel guys out there that you could get in the league. So if you could bring him in, it would be a big help for that defense. A guy I feel like I've been saying for every team, Richard Sherman, he's just a good veteran to bring in. And if they end up going in the draft with a cornerback, he's a good veteran to have in that locker room. So he he's a guy I would look at. And maybe a guy like safety, Marcus Williams. You know, anything on that defensive side of the ball, I think would not be a bad decision. That's where they need the most help. And that's what I would target in this free agency. I think outside of the edge rusher position, they there's two positions that um, pop out to me. That's inside linebacker and cornerback. Some guys on the market, Denzel Perriman from the Chargers, I don't think it's a priority for the Chargers to keep him, and the Raiders could swoop him up. He's a pretty reliable linebacker. Avery Williamson would be another guy. Avery Williamson got traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers this past season. Probably not going to command that much money, but we've seen in the past he can play at a Pro Bowl level. So Avery Williamson would be a guy with target, and he's very good at stopping the run and blitzing. And Levante David, who is a prized possession at linebacker, he played outside linebacker for the Buccaneers this past season, but throughout his career, he's been a middle linebacker. He covered Travis Kelsey throughout the Super Bowl. Well, if you were watching, he was covering him almost every time. He was shadowing him. He's a great linebacker, and if some way, somehow, the Buccaneers don't re-sign Levante David, the Raiders should sign him. And then you look at cornerback. Um, you mentioned Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has said that he loves playing for Gus Bradley, and he thinks he's a great coach. So between the Jets and Robert Sala or Gus Bradley and uh, the Raiders, who knows where Richard Sherman is going to go, but Richard Sherman would be a great place. I think the Raiders need cornerback help, but they don't need to address it that heavily because you do have Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett, both guys that they took with the high draft pick in the last two seasons. So they don't need cornerback help that desperately. They just need a guy that is going to be a veteran and kind of lead these younger guys to be better. That can be Richard Sherman. And another another guy who's familiar with the system could be Troy Hill. He played a cover three scheme out of a four, out of a four three base with Brandon Staley and the Los Angeles Chargers this past season. You could put him in this system and he'd understand it perfectly. So I think he's another guy that the Raiders should look to target. For my in my opinion, it's Richard Sherman and Troy Hill at cornerback, Avery Williamson, Denzel Perriman, and Levante David at, at inside linebacker. Yeah, and I think you mentioned before edge rusher is another position they could look at if they could get a guy like Shaq Barrett. You called him the crown jewel. That's what he is. But other guys they could go for, Yannick Ngakwe, Matthew Judon, and I said Leonard Williams, maybe Melvin Ingram staying in the division. You know, obviously Shaq Barrett is the guy they could target, but I think edge rusher is another important position for them to look at. 
So in this draft, the, the Las Vegas Raiders have the 17th pick in the first round. They need to fill that cornerback spot and that inside linebacker spot. And I think that they should maybe get a number one wide receiver. And I think if there's a draft to do it, it's this draft. Three names that pop out to me, Micah Parsons. I mentioned him last segment. They need an inside linebacker. Micah Parsons is, oh, my God, he's phenomenal. He's a top talent in this draft. I'm going to rave about him in all these offseason reviews. John Gruden likes taking risks on people who, quote-unquote, have character issues. He signed Vontez Burfecht like last season, so he's not a guy that strangers are taking in or bringing in guys that have a history. Micah Parsons, even though nothing has been documented, those are rumors that are swirling around. So it's very possible Micah Parsons drops to the 17th pick, and I believe he's a top-five talent in this draft. You got a guy like Caleb Fairley, who is very good out of Virginia Tech, that would be a great guy to go to the Oakland, uh, to go to the Las Vegas Raiders at the 17th pick. And there's another guy, Rashad Bateman, at a Minnesota wide receiver. I think he is a very good prospect. The Raiders need a number one wide receiver. Henry Ruggs, we're not sure if he's going to be that. He's, if we're being honest, he got picked that high because Tyreek Hill dominated the NFL and. Now every team wants to pick a guy that can run very fast. We're not sure how Henry Ruggs is going to work out. Who knows if Tyrell Williams is going to be on the team next season. It doesn't make sense for him to be on the team. Nelson Aguilar maybe gets re-signed, but I think if Rashad Bateman is there at the 17th pick, you get Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I've read good things about Rashad Bateman, uh, and, and I think he'll definitely be there because he's not as highly regarded as those top three guys, whether it, it's Waddle, Chase, or Devonta Smith. Um at the 17th pick, I think it, that pick is tough because you don't necessarily know who's still going to be on the board. Guy, you mentioned Micah Parsons. If he falls that far, I think he's a steal to the 17th pick, but I think he'll be gone already. I think some guys that will be on the board that they could target, an edge rusher, Greg Rousseau, Russ, Rousseau, however you pronounce his last name, the edge rusher out of Miami. He's a little bit of a project, but he's got all the athletic tools to be an elite edge rusher in this draft class. I think he would make sense. Um, they could also go with Jason away from Penn state, another edge rusher, uh, if they wanted to go in that direction. But if, if any of those three receivers fall to there, any of those top three receivers fall to there, I think they go receiver. But outside of that, I think they should stay away from receiver. I think they have bigger needs. Um, and I, and I would target receiver later on in the draft. Yep. And now in the second round, I think the Raiders should, try to get an edge rusher. Jalen Phillips is a name that might be there. He might get taken in the first round. We'll see. Um, Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina, he's a pretty good linebacker, and they need some inside linebacker help. So if they can't get one in the first round, whether it be Micah Parsons or Jeremiah Wosu-Koromoa, it would be Chaz Surratt out of North Carolina. And I wouldn't rule out them taking Kyle Trask in the second round. You don't know how much longer... Derek Carr is going to be a Raider. Marcus Mariota, they are actively shopping him right now. So Kyle Trask can be a name, or maybe not in the second round, but later on in the draft, Kellen Mond, who won the Senior Bowl MVP. He's an option they could go with as well. I think the security at quarterback right now is not certain. They are not certain how long Derek Carr will be there. So it would be a good thing to get his successor, you can say. 
maybe Mac Jones too if he falls to the second round. I don't think he will because his draft stock is higher than you know I really project him to be. But if he falls to the second round, wouldn't be a bad pick. Um, another guy they could target at edge, uh, Patrick Jones from Pitt. I think he's another guy second round they could target if they don't go edge in the first round. And a linebacker, I think they could target because you mentioned Mike Parsons in the first round. If they don't go that route in the first round, second round, I think a guy they could get is from Alabama, Dylan Moses. He played really well throughout the college football playoff. Alabama is like an NFL machine, so I think he would be a good pickup. Yep, and that's going to do it for our 2021 offseason preview for the Las Vegas Raiders. We agree they need edge help, they need cornerback help, they need inside linebacker help and maybe getting a number one wide receiver. So we'll see what they do this offseason. And now for the last segment of the podcast, it's going to be our last AFC West team, the Denver Broncos. Our Denver Broncos offseason preview. They're going to have 30 free agents. These are the most notable ones. Von Miller, he has a club option, so the team can bring him back or not. Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Shelby Harris, DeMar Dotson, Tim Patrick, Philip Lindsay, Demarcus Walker, Alexander Johnson, Jeremiah Tachu, and Elijah Wilkinson. In my opinion, they have to bring back Justin Simmons. Kareem Jackson, I'm, I'm iffy on. I would love to bring him back at the right price. You absolutely have to make it a priority to bring back Shelby Harris. I think Tim Patrick, you kind of bring him back too because he slotted in that wide receiver number two role and number one role at times. Philip Lindsay, not a uh, not not a must bring back guy, but it would help. It would help out your running back depth. If he doesn't get paid too much, you do bring him back. And Elijah Wilkinson, I think they will bring him back because they have said that DeMar Dotson is not going to be the future tackle and Vic Fangio has said that they're going to stick with Elijah Wilkinson. So I do think he'll be back. Jawan James is going to be healthy next season too, so that's going to help. But ultimately, I think you bring back Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Shelby Harris, Tim Patrick, and Elijah Wilkinson. Von Miller is set to make $22 million a year. I'm not sure the team brings him back. If they were to negotiate a contract for much less, maybe $10 million, I'd be all for it. But at $22 million a year at Von Miller's age and with the injury history that he has, I wouldn't bring him back. Yeah, same thing. Unless they can restructure Von Miller's deal, I would likely cut ties with him. I just don't – it depends on who you ask. But personally, I don't think the Broncos are in a position right now to have a guy like Von Miller on the roster. He should be on a win-now team, getting older with that big contract. And I think the Broncos are more in a state of youth, developing youth and getting better because with a team like the Chiefs in that division and also the Chargers, I think, are going to get a lot better and take the leap next year. And the Raiders are always a 50-50 type team. You know, they show signs early in the season and then the last two years they've kind of shut down late. But I just don't think the Broncos are in a position to be going for it right now. So I do think... One guy they should get rid of immediately is Von Miller unless they could restructure him down to a lower deal, which I think is a possibility. But guys that would bring back, I would 100% bring back Justin Simmons, one of the be- one of the better safeties in the league. I would definitely bring him back. Elijah Wilkinson on the offensive line. You know, I think they have a couple of other positions they have to figure out there, but Elijah Wilkinson is one guy I would bring back. Um, I would consider bringing back Mike Purcell. Uh 
maybe even a guy like Derek Wolf. But outside of that, I don't think there are many guys that I would bring back. So the Broncos can free up up to $23 million in cap space if they were to cut A.J. Boyer and Jarrell Casey. I think that they do. I think A.J. Boyer is gone from the Broncos. He hasn't lived up, up to expectations with them when he got when he signed there, when he got traded. It was one of those. I forgot which one. I think it was a trade, but he hasn't lived up to expectations. And Jarrell Casey... He, I had high expectations for him coming into Denver this past season, but he got hurt, and they have some good defensive linemen right now. Draymond Jones was huge for them last year. Deshaun Williams is pretty good, and Mike Purcell, is, I think, is a really good serviceable guy, so I don't think there's any reason for Jarrell Casey to be kept. The Denver Broncos are projected to have $55 million in cap space, and I think their positions of need are edge rusher, inside linebacker, cornerback, and, of course, quarterback. My free agent targets for them would be William Jackson III. He was very good with Cincinnati this past season. And a guy who Buffalo may not be able to retain is Matt Milano. If Matt Milano were to go to Denver in Vic Fangio's defense, he would have a lot of success because he can not only blitz, he's a great tackler, but he can also cover tight ends and some wide receivers and running backs out of the backfield, getting Matt Milano would be huge. If they don't bring back Kareem Jackson, the guy they could bring they could bring in would be Marcus May. Marcus May is a guy they could bring in. Troy Hill, he knows that defense. He could be brought in from the Rams. And at quarterback, you got guys like Jacoby Brissett. If you want a viable starting quarterback, who we know he's a game manager, but Jacoby Brissett can do some things with that offense, having Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant, and K.J. Hamler, who's a speedster, who I'm really high on. And then you got a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick as well you can maybe bring in. And, of course, in the draft, I think they should draft Trey Lance. But I think if you can't in in free agency, you should try to sign a guy like Jacoby Brissett or Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I kind of had the same thinking as you. I don't think they should go out and make a big splash at quarterback. Some people mentioned them in the Deshaun Watson conversation. Matthew Stafford, but I don't think they should be in on one of those guys. Maybe even a guy like Andy Dalton would be a veteran free agent signing and quarterback that they could make to bring in and just give Drew Locke a push because I still have some belief in Drew Locke. It's kind of funny because at the start of the year, I was the one saying everybody was so sold on Drew Locke when he hadn't really showed you much yet. But now I feel like so many people have turned on Drew Locke because the big flashy names like Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford have come up. I think they should give Drew Locke another chance. Let him see if he could succeed a little bit with a healthier team. I like their receiver core. And if they could bring in a couple guys in the offensive line and sure up that offense, you know, I'd like to see what Drew Locke can do for a season. Especially, I know they hit a couple of roadblocks this year with injuries and stuff like that. But I don't think they need to do anything more than you mentioned Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton. I think one of those guys would be good. To, to come in and give him a push. Another guy that you mentioned that I love, I had written down, Marcus May. He's He was incredible for the Jets here. He was really the only guy in the secondary that was viable, and, and I think that he would be a huge addition for As much as I love it, I hate it as a Jet fan because I think every team should be in on him. He would be a great addition anywhere he goes, and he would be a nice replacement in the secondary for a couple guys I think they cut in that secondary. See, I personally feel like the Broncos don't need to go out and get offensive linemen because they have Garrett Bowles, who was one of the best tackles in the league this past season. 
Dalton Risner, who's still a young player, only in his second season, about to be in his third. Lloyd Cushenberry, who's coming off of his rookie year, who I'm really high on out of LSU. Graham Glasgow, who was a solid starter for the Lions. And Jawan James. Jawan James is not a bad offensive tackle. I don't think they should really be hell-bent on bringing in offensive linemen. Maybe just depth guys, but not any splash big moves. But another guy at safety, at strong safety, could be Keanu Neal. Keanu Neal has had an injury history, and because of that, he's not going to command much money in free agency. But Keanu Neal, when he has been healthy, he has been a Pro Bowl caliber player, and he can play in the box. He can play strong safety. He can cover sometimes. He's a great cat tackler. He's great against the run. Keanu Neal could be a name to monitor because he's not going to ask for much money. And then you look at the edge positions. If Von Miller decides to go, you need to bring in a guy outside of Bradley Chubb to rush the passer. That could be Matt Hudon or Melvin Ingram or maybe a Shaq Barrett, Leonard Floyd type of guy, Hassan Reddick. Leonard Williams is another name. But I ultimately feel like Von Miller will stay loyal to Denver and Denver will try to restructure a deal with him. And because of that, I don't really see Von Miller leaving Denver because as long as I've been watching football, Von Miller has been the face of Denver's defense. So I don't think they move on from him. But moving into the draft, they have the ninth overall pick in this draft. And I think there are three guys that stand out to me in this draft that they have to get. If Trey Lance is at the ninth pick, you get him. You get him 100%. And I'd even vouch for trading up to get Trey Lance because they need that franchise quarterback. And also, I just remember what you said. Every team should be in on Deshaun Watson. Even the Broncos. I don't care what the situation is. Everybody should be in on Deshaun Watson. But I think with the ninth overall pick, there is a chance that Trey Lance does slide there. But if not, I would trade up and get Trey, tra- get Trey Lance or uh, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields type of a quarterback. I would trade up and get those guys. And then let's say, let's say Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance are all gone. I'd go with Caleb Failey or Patrick Sertain II. I think they need a cornerback bad, and this draft has a lot of pretty good cornerbacks. So if it's not a quarterback, I'd go cornerback. If it's not quarterback, I'd go cornerback all day. Caleb Fairley or Patrick Sertain a second, I'd probably lean towards Caleb Fairley. I'm going to kind of contradict myself here because I just said that I would give Drew Locke another chance this season because I still think he has potential. and I don't think he's gotten the most fair shake, but I know a lot of Broncos fans want to see them draft a quarterback, and I know it's been rumbling around. Like you said, if Trey Lance is there when they're drafting, I think that's a can't miss, and he's a guy that could sit behind Drew Locke maybe for a year and get that NFL experience because he's thought to be more of a project than the guys at the top. But if they were going to draft a quarterback and Trey Lance isn't there when they're picking, I guess that wouldn't really make sense with what I'm about to say. But I would trade up and maybe look at getting a guy like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, depending on which one of them falls out of the top four because I don't think the Dolphins are going to draft a quarterback. So if you could trade up to four maybe with the Falcons, I think that's a viable option. But you said it. If it's not quarterback, it's cornerback. And there are three pretty good options on the board. Caleb Farley, Patrick Sertain, and J.C. Horn are all top cornerback guys. I mean, we I've talked about him for a couple teams now. And I think at that pick, it, it will be a solid pick. I, that's one of their biggest holes this offseason. So I would go there if I'm not going quarterback. For the later rounds, if they want to show up that tackle position because they're not 
hell-bent on keeping Jawan James there for long. I think Walker Little would be a good option. Alex Leatherwood. Um, and at cornerback, if they're not able to get Caleb Failure or Patrick Sertain with that ninth pick, if they do, in fact, get Trey Lance, I think some good second-round cornerbacks that can probably fall to them would be Tyson Campbell, Asante Samuel Jr., and I think those are some good options. Maybe Sean Wade if they want to take him that high. But with the later picks, I think these are two guys that Denver could take a chance on. With the third or fourth rounder, take a chance on Jamie Newman. I'm really going to vouch for Jamie Newman a lot. Jamie Newman has all the physical tools to be a great NFL quarterback. Not just a good quarterback, a great NFL quarterback. Him opting out of playing for Georgia this past season really hurt his draft stock. Because of that, he's probably going to go to a better team. And he has all the tools to be very successful in the NFL. So if the Broncos could get him with the later round pick, I'd get Jamie Newman. And another guy, Andre Sisco, safety out of Syracuse. He's lightning fast. He got injured in 2020. That's going to hurt his draft stock. They could possibly have a first round. Um, they could possibly have a draft of Trey Lance, then getting Asante Samuel Jr., Tyson Campbell, or Sean Wade. Then in the later rounds, getting Andre Sisco and Jamie Newman. That would be a home run draft for the Denver Broncos if they were not to get Trey. If they don't get Trey Lance with that ninth overall pick, or if they don't trade up for him, that could be a hell of a draft for them. Getting a guy like Caleb Faley, Patrick Sertain the second along with some another cornerback or tackle, whatever it may be. I think the Broncos have a lot of options in this draft, and luckily for them, this draft is filled with positions that they need. Yeah, and, and if they don't go quarterback in the first round, I think they should look at drafting a quarterback later on. I think maybe a guy like Mac Jones could fall to them in the second round, or Kyle Trask out of Florida. If you want to even go later, maybe a Kellen Mond, would be a solid option. He did great at the Senior Bowl. Um, and then also offensive line, I think they should look at some guys later on. But I do think that that first-round pick is the one that's going to be the most important, and it's going to depend. It's going to draw the roadmap for where they go the rest of the draft because if they go quarterback, obviously that changes what they do the rest of the way. And I also think they could either tra- – they're one of the weird teams that could either trade up, they could trade back, they could draft at their pick, and no matter what they do, it's going to send shockwaves throughout the rest of their draft. But I do ultimately think they end up going quarterback, and I do think it's going to be Trey Lance in round one. The Broncos are that team that have a bunch of talent, but they underachieved this past season because of a bunch of injuries that all, that happened to them before the season and during the season. But I think if they make the right moves in the offseason, they could ultimately be fighting for that number one spot in the division, maybe number two. It's going to be a dogfight. This division is getting tougher and tougher. That was our AFC West preview for the offseason. We talked about the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, the Broncos, a very tough division. The Kansas City Chiefs are ruling it right now, but with their cash space situation, who knows what's going to happen later on because the Broncos have young talent to Chargers do and the Raiders do as well. We'll see what happens, but that was our off-season preview, and that's going to do it for this episode of the Pick Eye Podcast. This was episode 66. Uh, Jack was here to do this episode. Riv was not. Uh, Riv will be here for the basketball episode that we're going to do later on this week, I hope. It's been a while since we had the three of us all together because... Mm-hmm. The two episodes ago, we were on Zoom, and Riv couldn't make it. And then last episode, I couldn't make it, and now Riv couldn't be here. So hopefully we could all get back here later on this week for basketball. 
Yep. So this was a great episode. This is our first episode coming off the Super Bowl. I I I, th- I don't think the Super Bowl was a great game, but I enjoyed it because the team that I rooted for won. But as always, give us a review on Apple Podcasts as it helps us out in the algorithm. And you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Pickaside Podcast on Twitter at Pickaside Pod to stay up to date with when we're going to post, when our segments are out, and all other cool stuff. But that's going to do it for this episode. We appreciate you guys for listening and watching, and we'll see you guys next time.